This is Nursing Australia, proudly brought to you by APNA, the Australian Primary Healthcare Nurses Association. This conversation was recorded in Brisbane, Queensland and Sydney, New South Wales. I acknowledge the Turbal and Yagara people and the Gadigal people of the Eora Nation and the traditional owners of these lands, and I pay respects to the elders past, present and emerging. Welcome back to Nursing Australia for 2022. Following the mammoth year that was for a lot of nurses and frontline health workers, we are kicking off the year with a positive bang, something to perhaps give you a spring into 2022. For a lot of us, or if you're like me, you're probably approaching this year with equal parts optimism and perhaps some trepidation. The pandemic has equated to a lot of anxiety, mixed messages, a myriad of information for us to wade through. And keeping our heads above water can be tricky, trying, and at times testing, and that's just at work as a nurse. This very special episode will hopefully give us a few tips to help navigate the daily challenges and examine some of the key themes that we all face. Host of Coronacast and ABC's Radio National, The Health Report, Dr. Norman Swan drops in to talk about his latest book, So You Think You Know What's Good For You, a straightforward, no-nonsense medical health guide that debunks medical myths left, right, and center, wellness BS, misconceptions, and answers common questions. He also talks about ways to deal with stress and trauma and explains the differences between chronic and acute stress and correlates with chronic disease. We all tend to think of the mind and body as separate, uh, even though we know it's not. There are strong neurophysiological correlates of chronic stress in terms of hormonal control, reproductive control, control of the immune system, cardiovascular system and so on, has profound effects on the body. And if you are listening on Apple or Google Podcasts, please don't forget to tap the subscribe button. And on Spotify, click to follow. That interview with Dr. Norman Swan is coming up very shortly, but let's first hear the latest in healthcare news with Mitch Wall. As always, welcome to Nursing Australia and Happy New Year. App helps healthcare workers communicate with patients, NMBA releases updated cosmetic nursing guidelines, and COVID reaches Antarctica. This is Nursing Australia News. Hello, I'm Mitch Wall. St Vincent's Hospital have developed a translation app to assist with patients in explaining what they need during clinical interactions. This includes during triage, history taking, as well as daily interactions in aged care settings. The developers claim the app not only promotes patient-centred care, but can also stave off the effects of dementia-related cognitive decline. So lack of communication means that you can't give optimal care. They're usually very excited to hear their own language. They want to say something back. If you keep the language going, it helps actually in staving off the progress of dementia too. The Nursing and Midwifery Board of Australia, NMBA, have released an updated position statement in nurse and cosmetic procedures. The statement includes guidance for all nurses working in the area of cosmetic medical procedures, including ENs, RNs and NP. A link to the statement is in the show notes of this episode. And COVID has finally conquered all continents. A Belgian scientific research station in Antarctica is dealing with an outbreak of COVID-19 despite workers being fully vaccinated and based in one of the world's most remote regions. Since mid-December, at least 16 of the 25 workers at the Prince Elizabeth Polar Station have caught the virus. Belgian officials say cases remain mild so far. 
At the Heart Foundation, we know it can be difficult to prioritise prevention in general practice. Unfortunately, the COVID-19 pandemic has significantly disrupted preventative care, causing at least 27,000 heart health checks to be missed or delayed. For your critical role in the fight against heart disease, Australia's leading cause of death, we've created the Heart Health Check Toolkit with templates ready for use in popular practice software. Visit hrt.how forward slash toolkit to learn more today. Norman Swan is a journalist as well as a doctor specialised in paediatrics and for more than 30 years he's been delivering straight, honest, common sense, upfront health information to Australians. And when Australia and the world needed straightforward COVID advice, he stepped up to the plate and gave us exactly that and continues to do so. Now in his latest book, So You Think You Know What's Good For You, it's not about COVID. Dr. Swan covers everything from diet to sleep to stress to mental health. I caught up with Norman to chat about the book and dive a little bit deeper into some topics that are likely affecting a few of us right now, including stress and trauma. I really hope you enjoy it. All right. Thanks for taking the time to talk to me. I just wanted to, I guess, kick things off talking about my interpretation of your book. So tell me if I'm hot or cold, but my interpretation was that I see that it's more of like a compendium on the white noise of modern life and then part memoir or your story. But broadly, everything, at least that I read in it, was highly topical, highly relevant. Do you think that's a, a fair summation? Yeah, I think that's part of what I intended. I mean, it certainly is part memoir. But the main reason for writing it, a compendium, it's, it's not a comprehensive compendium. It's a bit idiosyncratic because it's what I think have been the main themes over the last few years. And I'm really trying to cut the bullshit out of health. There's just so much around, so much that people are unnecessarily anxious about and try to get down to what the evidence suggests. So in other words, don't sweat the small stuff, only sweat the big stuff and try to tell people what the big stuff is. For most of my career, I've been sick to death of health books because health books usually come along. It's usually written by a bloke who wags his finger at you and tells you what an idiot you've been for all your life. And if only you'd been eating goji berries or taking iron or taking heavy metal collation or something like that, you your life would be transformed. And, <laughs> you know, and it's just complete bloody bullshit. So what I do in this book is treat you like an adult and say, look, here's the evidence. You decide. Uh, full, full disclosure, I think I'm a little bit of a nerd. And so the reading I do has purely been related to study that I've done in the past. It's always academic stuff. I've never, never picked up a novel in my life. My mum will kill me for saying that. I swear to God. Um, but... I did. Well, I did. Just to reassure you, mate, so you think you know what's good for you is not uh -huh. a work of fiction. <laughs> Thanks for the clarification. But yeah, but anyway, not, and and not to sound like a complete sick fan, I actually really enjoyed it. It was really engaging. It was it was really easy. If anything, for me, I sort of felt, particularly after I read it, a certain level of reassurance. I mean, that's that's exactly right. I mean, there's a lot of health anxiety out, out there that um, I, I'm trying to quell, that you don't, the stuff that you just don't need to be anxious about. And mm. so people are anxious about their sleep, about whether they're drinking enough, should we on high carb, low carb, high protein, what supplements should I be taking? And, and, and in many ways, kind of asking the wrong questions. And it's not their fault, it's just they've been led into that by people with vested interests. I mean, sleep's the biggest one of all, I think. Mm. 
being that majority of our listeners are nurses or healthcare professionals more broadly, I want to touch on the, the topic of stress or the overuse perhaps of the word stress, but more specifically, your definition or your interpretation of chronic stress. Do you mind just explaining what the difference is between acute and chronic stress? Well, I mean, there's acute stress and chronic stress. Acute stress is sort of thing where you're watching your favourite team on a Saturday afternoon and they're losing, or you have a car accident and you get this sudden surge of fright and flight versus chronic stress. And chronic stress is best described as loss of locus of control. Um, for those of you who've done psychology, this is where the ability, you know, the feeling that you have in terms of how much latitude I have to make decisions about my life, how oppressed or I, I feel uh, by external forces which limit my ability to, you know, have that latitude in my life. That's a grossly oversimplification, gross oversimplification of locus of control. But if your locus of control is not within you and it's somewhere else, whether that be government, employer, poverty, whatever, a healthy place to be is where the locus of control you feel is within you. I've got that agency. Now, what Michael Marmot has shown and Bruce McCune at Rockefeller University has shown is that has correlates in terms of hypertension, coronary heart disease, possibly even cancer and diabetes. And it sounds really weird to say that, but in fact, Bruce McCune has shown that there are strong neurophysiological correlates of chronic stress in terms of hormonal control, reproductive control, control of the immune system, cardiovascular system, and so on, has profound effects in the body. And we shouldn't be surprised by that, but we continue to be surprised by that, even as health professionals. We all tend to think of the mind and body as separate, uh, even though we know it's not. The brain is part of the body. And so that we receive the external environment, it changes the way our brain works and the brain changes the way our body works. And equally, we might eat something which changes the way our body works and that affects the way the brain works. And, um, you know, and that comes to the microbiome and so on. So stuff that a few years ago was considered radically alternative is no longer alternative. It's mainstream science. Mm. And I guess... I might have my science wrong, so feel free to pick me up. But when when you refer to, say, an, an acute episode of stress, generally the body would, would release um, some adrenaline in that moment, and that's your fight or flight response. Um, but then when we talk about chronic stress, the body would then revert, revert to an overproduction of cortisol. Is that accurate? Yes, it is, except that you do produce more sympathetic hormones with chronic stress as well, and yet it's mm -hmm. like cortisol, but it's more, it's much more, it's much more widespread than that, and it's a more mm. profound change to how things are controlled. Mm. Uh, how do you keep stress in check, or how how do you advise your colleagues? What are, what are the indicators you see in your colleagues, and and are you good at having those conversations? Well, now you're moving into the area of distress, psychological distress, which mm -hmm. is a combination of anxiety and depression, which can be the result of chronic stress amongst other things that I've learned to recognize chronic stress and I don't like it when I see it. So if I've got a lousy boss, which of course never happens at all in the ABC, um, but <laughs> just imagine if it happened. I cherish that freedom to be able to make my own decisions. And I, the, the way I, I routinely do it is by exercising and it makes um, a huge difference to me that I just get that surge, particularly in the morning, and that sets me up for the rest of the day. I've also stopped putting earphones in when I exercise so that I, I am not constantly taking in information. We actually do get oppressed, I think, in the current environment 
where we don't want to waste any time. You, you're out exercising, so I'm going to listen to that audiobook. I'm going to listen to 14 podcasts, etc., etc. I choose my exercise time for as much as possible to have nothing in my ear, so that it's actually time to do a bit of. Uh, it's too fanciful to call it meditation, but it's certainly a bit of mindfulness to the exercise, which tends to clear the head. Something that really resonated with me, you, you touched on, I believe it was a colleague of yours in the UK who used the term, keep your shit wired shut. Wired tight, keep your shit. Wired tight, sorry. Yes. <laughs> I so, sorry. Could you could you just explain that? What What is meant by that? Okay, so for the very few people listening to this podcast who haven't mm. read the book, Yes. Uh, I'll explain what this is about. So there's quite a lot on psychology, uh, mental health, mental health issues in the book, because it's all part of the same story. And there's a myth largely perpetrated by Hollywood is that if you've got something on your chest, it's good to talk about it. You, you've it's almost Freudian that you've repressed something inside you about some traumatic event and then the climactic scene of the movie is that you have this catharsis and you talk about it and then forevermore your life has changed and everything's better. It's completely bullshit. There's no evidence for that. And in fact, being forced into that catharsis can reinforce the memory and make the trauma worse. Trauma is really important. I speak as somebody who you know, had PTSD at the age of 14, probably for the rest of my adolescence. And uh, a recent resurgence in the last five years when my daughter had a really bad accident and I was there pretty much on the scene when it happened. So I'm, I'm, I'm a consumer of trauma and I understand that. But this notion that you've got to talk about it is utter bullshit. So it's not to say that, you know, that acknowledging trauma is not important and maybe you do have to talk about it, but it's not necessarily true that by talking about it, being forcing you to talk about it when you're not really interested in talking about it is a good thing. And I learned this during, you know, when my when my daughter had this accident, my adult daughter had this accident. I was kind of, you know, my other children were there at the time. It happened in Italy. And on the day that it happened, we were in the hospital cafeteria. Uh, I won't go into the long story, but essentially I was telling, I'd, I'd been in and I'd spoken to the neurosurgeon and seen my daughter. And I came back and I was reporting it back saying, look, the team seemed great and everything seemed as it should be. And then I suddenly realized what I just said, except for Anna, my daughter's name. Um, of course, that she wasn't as it should be. And I started crying. And I could see my other daughter's eyes open wide and, her, and they filled with tears. And my son's the, the same. And I realized that they were clinging on to me. They saw me wobbling. And I, I saw it for what it was very quickly and stopped. And in that context, that's what my friend said, keep your shit wire tight. Because when you're in a traumatic situation, there's nothing to be gained by forcing a talk. You, you just keep it together and you're not doing yourself lasting damage there. Uh, so it is a, it's a Glaswegian phrase, keep your shit wire tight. When things are going tough, you can let it out later. Mm -hmm. The book seems to cover stress, putting in, putting out, taking out, taking in, youth, well-being, wellness, devices, screen time, sex, kids, etc. Since you've released the book, or in retrospect, is there anything that you missed out, you wish you included, but you didn't? No, there's not, there's not that much I wish I'd included, because I, I wasn't writing a medical encyclopedia or a whole medical encyclopedia, in which case, you know, so there's, I'm writing something that I think is roughly important, 
and it's the themes that I've picked up along the way, talking to people about health a lot. So my next book will expand on some of the stuff that I I haven't really fully covered in this, which was never intended to be part of this part of this book. No, no, I I think um, I'm I'm happy with what I covered, and so you think you know what's good for you. Mm-hmm. Thank you. I appreciate your time. Are you a nurse working in primary healthcare and looking for the next step in your career, or do you work in a hospital and curious about moving into a primary healthcare setting? like general practice, aged care or school nursing. Check out the APNA Nursing Jobs page, powered by Healthcare Link, where you can search jobs near you and filter by setting and speciality. To get to the APNA Nursing Jobs page, click the link in the show notes of this episode. If you are listening to Nursing Australia right now on Apple or Google Podcasts, please don't forget to tap the subscribe button and on Spotify, click to follow Coming up on Nursing Australia in 2022, our calendar is jam-packed with more very special guests, some secret surprises, the latest happenings in primary healthcare and all things nursing right across Australia and right across the world. I'm Matt St. Ledger. Thank you so much for listening. I'll see you next time. Abvi Australia are very proud to support the APNA Conference Roadshow, including the Gold Coast, Sydney and Melbourne events. Come and visit us at our stand to hear about how AbbVie are working with nurses across Australia to help support their efforts to eliminate chronic hepatitis C. Additionally, we would love to share video content from our recent Hep C-focused Nurse Summit where local Australian nurses showcase their nurse-led models of care in the communities where they work to eliminate Hep C. We look forward to welcoming you at our AbbVie stand. Nurses can find some AbbVie links in the show notes of this episode. Thanks for listening to Nursing Australia.